You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. So Wales put in a spirited performance against South Africa, but come up short. And uh, I'm still not sure how I feel about uh, how I feel about this game. So I thought we'd get on the two differing sides of, uh, of the spectrum and have the ultimate optimist in Daniel Killick and the ultimate in pessimism slash melancholia, Yestin George. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll sit somewhere in the middle and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things go on. Uh, Nice, nice beaming grin there, Dan. How are you? <laughs> yeah, enjoyed that. Enjoyed that intro. Very good. Um, yeah, enjoyed the game. Thought it was um, a proper test match. Good old thing. I, I thought it was a it was a proper autumn autumn test match. Actually, yes. In before before we get on to the the performance, um, what did you? Yeah, what did you make of the game? Do you do you enjoy that one, or was it kind of one for the purists? No, I. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I was wondering whether it was just because we were ahead by the skin of our teeth for such a long period in the game, whether we were, that's why we were enjoying it. Um, but it did feel, it felt a lot more, I guess we were prepared for the way that South Africa play. So, you know, after the Lions. And so therefore we weren't, we knew that they were going to even, what was it, about five yards shy of the 20, of the 22, so, you know, a bomb gets launched into the middle of the sky. Uh, so, but it was, it felt, it felt competitive and it felt exciting. I mean, we didn't have many line breaks from, from either side, but we certainly didn't from wheels, but it was still, comp- yeah, it was compelling, really compelling. It's interesting you touched on the lines there, because this was the game of the autumn I was least interested in uh, with the Wales fixtures. I you know, Obviously, the All Blacks one ended up being being different, um, but 
I just thought, you know, at no point in my mind did I think I'm interested in in going to watch this game because I'm sick to the to the teeth of South Africa. But I enjoyed this test way more than any any game on the Lions tour. Actually, I thought it was I thought it was just you know, it probably is to a certain degree down to the fact that there was that there was a you know a decent <laughs> decent in terms of numbers crowd in there, um, and I think that you know that does add to things. But we were saying just before you came on air that um, it's um, <laughs> we're saying. Uh, before we came on air, that there's a um, yeah, there's there's almost like a, a degree where the game is made for is made for the television rather than the the actual in stadium experience, and that's kind of what you found uh, in the stadium last week, yesterday. Yeah, it was it's it was really strange last week, and um, both Dan and I were there, and I chose not to go this week partly because I didn't want to spend good money to go, and so I I gave. I gave my tickets to a friend, uh, but it there was something about last week that I wasn't comfortable with, and it wasn't, mm. you know. I, again, I don't want to be sound like a snob who's been going since nineteen seventy two and has changed beyond all recognition and all that kind of rubbish. But it 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 felt like it was really made for TV event, um, and there was very little atmosphere during the game. There was very little singing. So much of it was piped through. And the, just the fact that the anthems are now obviously due to COVID, they can't have the choir in the choir in the stadium. But the fact that the anthem, there's piped, there's a piped sort of vocal choir. It didn't sound anything like as good because mm. people were saying to me, oh, this, the anthem sounded amazing on telly and it didn't sound amazing at all in the stadium it didn't sound like a particularly special anthem and we you know you do that is often a uh it kind of sets the mood for the for the game really yeah, so it, it does how, i reckon i reckon i've been about oh i don't know like a bit about, probably watched about 50 games with my brother in the stadium and every time he's turned to me and said oh good anthem good anthem but I, I honestly i don't think i can't remember an occasion where he hasn't done that um it is just one of those things, actually. It's it's part of the, you know, it's like, it's it's our hacker, if you like. I know, obviously, the anthem to everyone is it is, is is important, but it is one of those things that I think just adds to the to the whole the whole sense of occasion. And yeah, if you're not getting that full kind of um, that full spine tinglingness out of it, it's, uh, it, it does feel quite sad. And then watching it on telly yesterday you got the feeling that it was really wet really slick really well done even the mm. kickoff before new zealand there was a 30 <clears> second <throat> countdown when do you have a 30 second countdown for a, I don't for need a match a, I, i've never understood what the countdown stuff's about it's like oh the game's gonna begin i know the game's gonna begin that's why we're here like it's, it's bloody obvious the game's gonna begin because they want to generate noise for the tv audience because they're not playing that noise the tv audience aren't aware of the countdown yeah. So they just want to generate that excitement for for the for the kickoff. So it was it was odd, but you know that's that's me and my me and my you know fifty five year old sensibility going on there. Wow. There we go. I'm sure we will revisit uh, crowd behaviour at some point during this podcast. Not that I particularly wish to, but uh, I'm no. sure that will happen. Uh, Dan, what did you make of the performance, the Wales performance as a whole? There, I thought it was a really good. Really good performance from us and um, thoroughly enjoyed the game. Had me, it did kind of have me on the edge of the seat, I think, probably because of 
maybe partly because of what happened last week. And, you know, we had, we got, you know, well and truly, <clears throat> well and truly beaten, didn't we, by the All Blacks and by, and by the ref as well. And um, it kind of, I guess it kind of surprised me a little, you know, how, just, just how well we did. And I, I always thought though, that if we could, you know, if we could, if we, if we could get the line out going, then we were, we were well in with a chance. And um, I actually found myself today probably being quite, feeling quite frustrated really that we didn't get the win. I thought we, uh, I thought we'd done enough there really to, um, you know, to, to, to potentially get that. Okay. Yes. Then your, your take on the performance as a whole. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if it was the performance as it, as it was as much the, 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 some notable contributions from key players that made it, that made Made me think it was a, it was a, you know, they they were, you know, it, it didn't feel like we didn't break the game line very much. We didn't really threaten them particularly, um, but we were honest and we competed. Obviously, there's lots of they were considering the fact that we lost we lost a penalty at every sin, single scrum. To be still in the game is a credit to bigger and a credit to the. The management of the game to a certain extent. So, I yeah, I I don't think what what I was interested in was it was kind of almost Pivac's version of how Gatland would have played uh, the game, and it, so it wasn't. I mean, I you know, there's there are people who contribute to this pod and know a lot more than me about the different patterns of play that Pivac has to Gatland, but it it was you know stick it on the inside to um to Josh Adams who was making you know small but meaningful breaks and 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 get just getting over the gain line which was making a big difference Thomas I thought was really good uh I I, I don't think he was at fault for anything really and then yeah. so you had individual performances from um you know Basham gave away a couple of penalties but was really physical and really competitive at the breakdown and occasionally got I think you know was on the wrong side of a dis- of decisions from the ref, and Ellis Jenkins was great as well. Um, so I think it was more to do with hanging in there in a Gatlin style and being competitive. And then w- when we were six up with what twenty five minutes to go, mm. I just I actually thought we might be able to to win. I, yeah, I, I, I actually started mm. believing that we could win uh, and. There was an inevitability to to what happened, but it just it well when I say it was an inevitability, I didn't think at with twenty five minutes to go that we were going to hang on with six points. But I just thought another penalty and we mm. could we could nick this. We could really properly nick this because I don't think South Africa thought that that's where Wales were at their best was defense. You know, goal line defense was superb, really, really superb, and the turnover. You know. Uh, the scrambling defence, I thought that was the highlight for me in terms of how they played as a team. Yeah, I think the the bit that I would take out of it is the is that um, almost the intensity, actually. I think that that's the bit I've kind of struggled with watching Wales under Pivac is, you know, like I said, you, you can't fluke a Six Nations Championship, but there were a lot of a lot of things that went our way during during that time and and I think that's why I, I think the jury has still been out for me is how can we reach that level of that level of intensity and that 
level of performance that doesn't have an asterisk next to it that says someone got sent off, we got some very lucky decisions, or it was played in front of an empty stadium, so it wouldn't have happened under normal circumstances. And actually, strangely, I think the, the best two team performances that have been put in under Pivac were the were both in losing causes. The one I keep coming back to in Paris, I thought was it was an incredible performance. And and actually I thought yesterday was kind of in that same bracket, just in terms of being able to, to stay in the game and look like a, a really competitive outfit. It's interesting that you mentioned the line out Dan, which on paper went a lot better, but it was all it was all ball at the front. Uh, you know, it was uh, but to be fair, given how appalling the line out has been, you kind of can't um you can't fault them for for playing it safe and just looking to secure ball. Problem was, it then meant that it was very, very difficult to do anything in the backs because it was so predictable. South Africa knew exactly what we were going to do. They knew we were too scared to go long at the line out. And without that variation, it just meant that it just meant that we were kind of getting smashed in the middle a bit. Um, but in terms of that, yeah, that overall intensity and yeah, like you say, the, the goal line defence and winning turnovers at crucial points and game management and stuff like that, I think was, yeah, there was, it was... Um, yeah, a, a, ma- a massive improvement anyway. Yeah, and, you know, when you've got the Yaga in the middle, he seems just, he just seems to be able to cancel out anything to the middle of the line because he's he's about eight foot three, isn't he? Um, uh, at least. And, <laughs> it, you know, it's just too much. And also, they, they did, they did, um, Prevent, they did present such a threat at the breakdown. The as I thought, is it Quagga? Is that how Quagga you Smith, yeah. Quagga yeah. Smith was just oh, I mean, a big game. What, what a horrible looking bloke! And yeah. he's just he's he was just yeah, he was really, really, really in there more than Vermeulen, you know, much more active in the game uh, than Vermeulen was. So they, yeah, they. You know, there were there were points at which what's really nice is when you see uh, South Africa under pressure actually looking slightly panicked when they were when the ball went past ten, they didn't really mm. ha- have much of an idea. Um, so, so you know, that's, again, so there's a lot to be said for the hard work that they've done, particularly in in their defensive formations and and just heart like you say it's about intensity but it's about a lot of it was heart and it wasn't that even when they even when they did have a brilliant turnover they weren't there wasn't none of that chest beating saracens nonsense it was it was just let's get on with the game i just thought they had a good attitude towards the game and i was disappointed that they subbed bigger and i was disappointed they subbed thomas as well and i thought that there were a couple of things and i don't understand obviously Ellis Jenkins is a, I mean, that was very late, but I, I just, I don't know. I just think, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that they would have closed the game up, but I would, I definitely was, it was 68 minutes, wasn't it? Mm, when, Ansk- when Anscombe and Gareth Davis came on and I just feel like, it's, it, for, for me, it felt like the, the, they needed to stay on and, and see the game out personally, but not that it, you know, not that it, it might not have made a difference, but, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, if you want to hear uh, our thoughts, well, certainly my thoughts on Dan Bigger being on the pitch at the end of games and just being that beast who thrives on pressure, 
go back and listen to any of the podcasts from two years ago because I think he was, you know, at that stage in time, he was coming off the bench to close games out. And I just think that he is in, in tight test matches. There's no one else I'd want on the pitch more, not just for his goal kicking, but decision-making at the right time. Uh, you know, always solid defence. And just the mentality. I just think he's got the most solid thrive under pressure mentality that there is. And they kept on referring to the fact that he was chatting to the referee in a, in a very respectful mm-hmm. manner on TV. That was what the messages you were getting. And you do think that he's, you know, J- John Fox is not the captain. He's the yeah. de facto captain. But, you know, Ellis Jenkins and and Dan Big are the two leaders in that in that side, it seems to me. So I don't know what... As a, a scrum expert, Dan, um, <laughs> uh, what uh, any any ideas? What, yeah. what, what the hell? What, what the yeah. hell was going wrong there? Yeah, I, it was it was so tough, wasn't it? At scrum time, um, and you know we had Carry. It, it was always there's, gonna there's be no sh- there's no sugar coat in it, isn't there? It's just it, it, his his performances in the scrum have not have not given and I'm not saying it's all his fault at all, but it's it was a it was um an eyebrow raising selection to have him at loose head against South Africa to start, I would say. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk about it, wasn't there, in the build up really, you know, all week, I suppose, and um from, from when he got a, when he got um announced in the side. It's. I think we, you know, we 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 probably would have been up against it, um, you know, potentially with whoever we'd gone with. But certainly, when you looked at the side, you knew that was definitely going to be the case, wasn't it? With Carry starting in there, I don't think anybody would have said, "Well, you know, no, I think he'll uh, he'll go well," you know, in that in that department. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? Really, the writing was on the wall, and you know, I think. Coming back to the performance off the scrum, the fact that we just didn't have any platform there. And then with the line outs, we, as you said, we were front ball, you know, nigh on, nigh on every time. I thought that when you look at the performance linked to those two bits, it was, it was, it was good, wasn't it? And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Bigger. He was, he was fantastic, wasn't he? And for me, I think he had to stay on the park. He had to stay on the park. Um, one, yeah, the way he controls, he, he was sort of controls and just talks to the ref so 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 well. But also his uh, his decision making is just is just great, isn't he? And he would have relished those final twelve. He would have loved that. I think that would have been that would have been his moment there. You've uh, you've wriggled out of the uh, of the scrum conversation scrum. brilliantly there, like someone buried at the bottom of a ruck. You've just done just <laughs> enough to get out and get back to get yeah, back to the, the, the bits you like. Yeah, I'm being um, held in, ref. Held yeah. in. Yeah. I thought that was uh, actually that. Uh, while we're talking about refereeing and stuff like that, I thought it was a really good refereeing performance um, from Paul Williams. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's very rare that we don't have something to moan about when it comes to the ref. But I thought, you know, again, there's a few decisions you you could have looked at. I know a lot of South African fans are moaning about the try that was disallowed, um, but I thought generally, a it was just the consistency. I think that's what you want, and the whole game was was won and lost on the breakdown, I think. You know, obviously we got done at scrum time and the breakdown was they were so competitive there, but he didn't let them get away with murder. You know, I thought the the, the penalties he gave generally were were penalties. And when they went when they, you know, when they weren't rolling away or they were doing those those kind of um those little bits of gamesmanship that sometimes you get away with and 
I thought he penalised them, and and that kept us in the that kept us in the game as well. And likewise, you know, as you said, our back row did did brilliantly, and um, when the when the shoe was on the other foot, so I thought it was a really good, encouraging refereeing performance, and that made for I think that made for a made for a good test. And um, yeah, but you're, you're right about Big Air, and in fact, the whole the bench as a whole. I thought it was, you know, again, I, I don't understand why Seb Davis is on the bench as back row cover when you've called Shane Lewis Hughes into the squad. So if Shane, well, and I don't know if Tom Young wasn't fit or what, but pick a specialist back row forward, you know, even if it's, you know, even if it's someone who has been drafted in, I just, I can't fathom why you've got someone playing out of position there. He's no, There's no way that he put, he picked Seb Davis at the start of this thinking he's a, a six or an eight. Really? Is it? I thought I thought we all decided that wasn't the case after you know after Gatland did it for a bit. It felt like a bit chaotic generally, didn't it? It was suddenly like Liam's on, Josh mm. is playing outside centre. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa! What's happening? We we've kind of yeah. It was almost like oh, we forgot that we had to pick. You know, we had to make substitution. You know, on the one hand, you make these eminently predictable sort of substitutions on a certain minute because that's the way that you'd kind of you'd already earmarked before the game started on the other hand it felt like carnage towards the end and not that that, I don't think it had a great a great deal of influence on the game but at the same time it it seemed really odd that the the bench was just it wasn't the right balance it just wasn't they weren't the right players and it wasn't the right balance it's not like we had some terrible injury crisis or something you know well no no more than we've had yeah no more than we've had the entire autumn yeah 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 that's the strange thing with the bench isn't it It wasn't like we had to have that bench we didn't do it and you know there you 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 look at you look at their bench compared to our bench and it's it's two worlds two worlds apart isn't it and why did why did liam replace john fox for instance I don't know. I don't know. Again, and whether unless this is premeditated that he sees Josh Adams. I mean, let, let's 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 get to the centres because there's no there's no two ways about it. I don't think Pivak has well, none of us have any idea what the best centre partnership is right now, particularly with with North out at the moment. And I think he probably, you know, when he's when he's fit again, hopefully for the Six Nations, he will take the thirteen shirt. But I kind of feel like you know. Perhaps Pivak's got it in his head that that Josh Adams or Owen Lane or someone is going to be a, a convert into the centre. And, you know, may, I don't know, maybe it was a, a premeditated thing. Maybe he saw that, you know, like you say, he was getting some some gains during the uh, um during the fixture. Maybe, maybe John Fox picked up a knock. I don't know, but it it, it certainly was a bit of an it took it was one of those where it took me a good couple of minutes to go, hang on, what Liam's on, who's got who's gone where? And it it was only when I saw you know, after a couple of minutes of, of those plays, what was what was happening really? But, I would have yeah. thought he, he must have picked up a little a little knock, surely, because I mean, I know Adams has played, I know he's played um, in a, in a couple of positions, but centre. I mean, that's you know so specialist, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, they, well, well, you know, was it a concession that he, they were just going to launch the ball and chase it? So jo- and Josh is good at that. So there was never mm-hmm. going to be any back move. There was never going to be any threat other than. Hopefully, getting it, getting a, a spare, you know, getting it wide and getting a spare player on the on the wing. I don't know. It just felt to me like it was just going to be okay. Let's just bomb the next ten minutes and and chase the ball. It just it didn't feel like a 
it felt like a tactical change that mm. conceded the fact that they were never going to break the gain line, uh, you know, in from from the center position, which they seemed to concede. They almost never really looked to attack in that in those channels because they thought they that the Allende and um, and uh, Am were just too good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, which you know evidence would suggest they are really. Yeah. Um, I, Am impresses me so much every time. Yeah, I yeah. Amazing. Just, amazing. I mean, Delende, you know, again, they're, they're both world-class, but it's just every time you see Am, you're just like, oh, yeah, I hadn't realised just how good over the ball he is and just how he's got everything, you know, he's, and he makes the right decisions at the right time. And, of course, he knows how to sniff out uh, to sniff out um, try-scoring opportunity as well. He's just, yeah, every time I see him, it's... Um, he just seems to get better and better. And um, we His are decision making on. spot on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I am the same as you. Yeah, every time I watch him, I think this guy's this guy's class. He just goes about it quietly, doesn't he? Yeah. So uh, yeah, while um while South Africa's centre partnership may well be very settled, ours isn't, and we're going to have a look at that in the second half. We're also going to have a look at who might uh, take over as captain for the rest of the season, because chances are Alan Wynne-Jones isn't going to be around. We're going to have a look at team selection for next week's game against Fiji. And uh, yeah, we're going to carry on picking the bones out of that performance against South Africa. But right now, we're going to take a very quick break. Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Chatting there just before the break about uh, about Wales's options at centre, and I think again we go into this third game, Dan. We're none the wiser as to what our best centre partnership is. Um, I think there could be changes next week again. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on who you you would like to see in the centre? Either people who are in the squad or. Um, or people you'd kind of like to to draft in in the long run. You got any idea, kind of what the what the future is for uh, for twelve and thirteen? Yeah, I have. I haven't got. Uh, I couldn't say. You know, I know. I know twelve and thirteen is going to be to you know going to be to be honest. But we have got quite a few different options that we could that we could go with. The biggest thing for me is is how you know how they then play together and and you know not just in the centres. You've got to look. You've got to look at the you know, look at the tet and the outside, the outside back, outside of them as well. Um, I think Halahola will come in for sure, and then it's um, it's who will who will play with at thirteen, really. I, um, but yeah, there's quite a there's quite a few boys that aren't involved in the you know in the Welsh in the Welsh setup, isn't there? That that I think would be you know would be useful during you know during this campaign and. Uh, you know, a couple of them at the Ospreys. Yeah, I yeah, I, I mean, I think Owen Watkin in particular. It does. Mm. I do find it odd that he's not there, given that he's now you know what must be about 24, 30, 30 caps to his name, World Cup semi final. I just think that experience in this in this kind of campaign would be would be would be absolutely massive. Um, he's really I, experienced, isn't he? Really experienced guy. Yeah. And again, to kind of come back to that competitive nature of it, I think I don't know. Maybe he's one of those players you look at and you think that because he's not necessarily hugely flash going forward. He's got that good sidestep. Um, we know what he can do defensively as he as when he strips the ball. But 
I don't know, maybe, you know, on paper, he's not the most exciting centre, but, you know, I've seen him play well at 12 and at 13. He, he, I think Gatland had kind of earmarked him. If Gatland was still in charge, I've no doubt he would he would still be in that squad. And I can't quite get to the bottom of it. Yes, and any uh, any reason as, a, as an Ospreys fan that, that Owen Watkin kind of isn't, isn't in and around the squad? It doesn't. I don't get it, and I don't get the... I don't get the idea that why why he wasn't called in um, instead of even though Scott played you know has had mm. a great time it doesn't make sense and it just uh, you know you go okay so Johnny Williams gets another go with Halaholo or does Ben Thomas play but there's like nothing there suggests to me that you've got a six six they're nations. all twelves as well aren't they like everyone yeah, 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 is a 12. Yeah, like yeah, even yeah. John Fox is has played a lot at 12 at international level recently and, and I just think Owen Watkin was a, just is the John heir to the John Fox throne <laughs> without you know it's he, John Fox was a special player and when he was at his height you know those the ability to make an outside break or or to support a winger and and you know his that you know that's it marked him out and I'm not trying to say Owen Mocken is is as good as that but but he just is defensively organized enough to 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 stop people in that dangerous 13 channel so I see him as a 13 really defensively anyway but the uh, I just yeah I, I there's nothing in there's no pattern or no rhyme or reason in in that um in the balance of the centers in the squad for me anyway it just doesn't feel like I feel even if even if you were going to play Ben Thomas and Aaron Owen or somebody like that or Kieran Williams was going to play at 12 and you just think okay well there's a there's a preparation there for something that's going to happen mm. maybe in three or four years time there's no sense of that at all at the moment I just do it's you, almost like who's standing you know yes do you think walking maybe um uh, sort of as has been affected by having a, a tough old time when he when he was at, when he was in the centre with Tompkins, maybe. Yeah, not well, necessarily his fault, but um, here's the elephant in the room, gentlemen. Mm. The Tompkins, the Tompkins conundrum, as they call it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I I thought yesterday there was some nice. Like, you you messaged on the on the WhatsApp group yesterday. So yeah, the, obviously the pass was. Uh, that that pass over the top was was something really special, and then likewise he was kind of waving an arm in defence a couple of minutes later. It's it's really really tricky to know what to to do with him because there is a you know he can do special things, but it also just doesn't seem to fit particularly well with with uh, the rest of the backline. Um, so I don't I don't know I don't know quite what to you know what you do with him. I mean, is you can't um. Saracens would have wouldn't be wouldn't be messing around with him when they've got you know virtually all the money in the world and and can draft in whoever they want. He's rated really really highly down there. He's put in some good performances for Wales, um, but it's just I don't know. It just doesn't quite seem to seem to click consistently. And um, I don't know. I'd be I'd be wary about building a you know building a, a centre partnership around. He, he definitely looks better at twelve for me. Well, he's the the broken play. You know, when he got the ball towards the end of the game on the left hand side of the pitch and mm. stepped and stepped and stepped, and he just thought that's that's sort of where he seems that is most comfortable. And as we've said, sort of in our WhatsApp group, that that can go down a 
uh, you know yeah that can go down a dead end sometimes but yeah uh yeah he, he, it just i mean to say when you say he waved an arm you used the word turnstile didn't you where yeah. he just allowed dlnda a free free a free pass basically and you know it, i there's something not quite right about and again you just like you said he plays for plays for one of the best teams in europe but something not working in the way that it's work, you know, in the Welsh team, and it now seems like we're just picking the whole team apart and slagging them off. But yeah, I, I think he's he's as much of a a concern as he is. I, I definitely don't think he, he you know, you, the first thing you've got to be is kind of reliable, you know, eighty percent of the time. You can't be a liability, and mm. he is a liability to, in, in some. Well, he certainly makes makes plenty of mistakes. Yeah, I thought he, well, judge, judgments. They're not mistakes. They're just judgment calls mm. that he doesn't seem to get right. I thought he uh, he had a fairly decent game yesterday, but I, I agree that he it's very difficult to know what he's going to do. And I, 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 you get the impression that the players don't know what he's going to do. So if you don't know what he's going to do in attack, it's very difficult to read. Um, and almost when he does make some breaks as well, you know, when he's made his sort of, you know, his good breaks, we have also, he's isolated himself as well because we don't know what's, what's happening. And I think that center, you know, if we look at Am and, and, um, and Delende, you know, you know how they're going to, we know how they're going to play uh, from, from, from our seats, you know, it's still very, very difficult to, 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 to stop, but it must be so reassuring for, the forwards, for the outside backs, for the 10, for everything to, to, to know how things are going to go. Uh, and then you know what they're going to do in defence. But Tompkins, it's, there's such a high unpredictability factor. Right? It, 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 it's quite, it's worrying, isn't it? Um, he has, of course, got, you know, a moment in him where he could, where he could spark something. But I think that centre partnership, we've got, we, we, we've got to really look at it, haven't we? We've got some really good operators um, and it's how they're going to work together, you know, not sort of on an individual basis, really. And we, um, we're some way off, aren't we, at the moment? And I kind of feel like we're some way off across every, across every part of the pitch. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like there's a settled combination in any of those, in any of those areas, really. You know, with Alan Winner in the second row, front row has chopped and changed. The back row chops and change. Even though we've got a wealth of talent there, it's chopped and changed because of injuries. And and when everyone's fit, it's, it'll probably chop and change because of the strength in depth there. Half backs, I think, is probably the one that we're closest on. I'd say that's our best half back combination. Centers, we've no idea. And then yeah, back three again. Now Liam's fit. I think McNichols actually had a pretty solid autumn. Yeah, although I would. I've, I've not been his biggest fan, but um, but. Li- the the thing with the thing for me at the moment is you look at that team sheet one to fifteen. There's not many players that you would say are world class now, you know, or playing at a world class level. And I think if you look back, um, even when Gatlin took over, there was there would I would say there would be more on there. You know, when Gatlin took over, you had the likes of Gethin and um, yeah, Adam Jones actually went on another improvement after then, but. You had such solid, dependable players in there: Ryan Jones, Martin Williams, um, Lee Byrne, Mike Phillips. Was, you know, Mike Phillips, you know Stephen Jones, and James Hook to choose from. It was chocker full of, you know, full of 
proven international and on their day world-class players. Now I look at that side now and, you know, John Fox is a world-class player, but we haven't seen it for two years uh, in an international jersey. Um, I think outside of that, you know, obviously Alan Wynne-Jones, but he's, but he's injured right now. Ellis hasn't been hasn't been fit enough for you to be able to say that he's, you know, I, I think we all know he's got that in him, but he hasn't got there yet. Um, and I'm almost there thinking, well, Liam is the other one who's who's proven it in session, uh, over a long period of time. And I'd be rushing to kind of get him back in. It's that that's the bit that, that worries me at the moment is kind of, you know, I think you need a, you need a core of really proven international performers. Bigger would be the would be the one I would say in there that um that I'd put in that bracket. But that that concerns me a bit at the moment, two years out from a World Cup. You know, who's going to evolve into that or who's going to get drafted in? The flip side to that is that we have got, you know, when you look at some of those some of those other sides with like Ryan Jones and things, we we didn't have we we have a lot of we have a lot of players now, don't we? We've got a lot of backup. Right. There, there was no backup you know, in those days, was there? Yeah, yeah, there was no backup. Yes, yeah, so it's almost like it's not quite the Eddie Jones, you know, the 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 choice of you know Eddie Jones's hardest hardest part of his job is probably picking the side, and he you know we, we well we all think, don't we, that he picks. He tends to pick the wrong players. And long may Pivax. that continue. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Keep going, Eddie. Um, <laughs> but Pivak's in that position now where we've got a load of back rowers. We've got, you know, we have got a lot of choice in the front row, haven't we? You know, bar, you know, bar hooker, but we've got, you know, good or good choice then at, at, at prop. Um, we got, we've got a, We've got a few second rows, but we could do with more. Loads of we've got loads of centers, but we don't quite know how they're going to fare up. Um, and it's getting to that point, isn't it, where we need to we need the we need to be looking at combinations, how everyone's going to go together, and what the best side, and then the second best side is going to be. But we we're, we're sort of all over the shop, aren't we? Um, with with the sides we're picking, but then again, we've beat we've got we've run South Africa very very close, could have won it. So, it felt like it, it felt like they were you know th- there was no they were so uh sort of honest in defense that say will Rollins and adam beard they, they didn't take they were you know they didn't get shift they didn't get plowed over like you'd expect against the south africans you know the only things that you know it was the rolling mall and the scrum mm. You know, in terms of their at the break, once the breakdown, once they started rolling their forwards forward, you know, Wales did a great job. But there's a lot of new combinations there as well. Yeah, like in the in the pack, you know. But there's it's just that that isn't that's no you don't you don't win the games with that. You you defend well and you keep the opposition up to a point. And they were, I think, they were quite careful not to be offside. They were quite. They were quite in control of that defence as well, even though it, at times it was a it was a real scramble. So it's credit to them for being that. But you're not gonna you're not gonna win a semi final or get to the semi final of a World Cup unless you know that you've got you've got combinations that are going to be able to attack with real verve. And you can't just give the ball to Louis Resamit and expect him to to just pull a rabbit out of a hat every game. No, and and actually I think he had. Uh... You know, he had a pretty, a pretty um, average night, really. You know, um, I, I just think it, it probably wasn't. It probably wasn't the game for him. There was a couple of mistakes in there, but 
Yeah, I don't know. The, the thing for me is it's just about, I, I'm just, you mentioned it there yesterday, it's those combinations. What are the, what are the set of combinations that, we, that we're going to stumble across, that's, stumble across or, or uncover that's going to get us to, um, that's going to get us out of the World Cup pools and into, and into the, the meaningful stuff? Um, so I don't know, this, this, autumn, this autumn series, I, I think is really, really big. I'm just not sure that after two games, we've necessarily learned a huge amount about what the core of that side is, you know, other than thinking, God, I hope we can get Alan Wynn to another World Cup or, you know, or, or, you know, I hope we can get Toby to another World Cup and, or actually, you know, Ellis or, or whoever. It's, it, I, I still think there's a lot more questions than answers right yeah. now. Yeah, well, you've got, you know, if you think Tipperick, Ellis Jenkins and Faletau, you, you suddenly, you, we're suddenly smiling a little bit more. Yeah. Thinking that you could put... You could put any number of people like Moriarty or Basham on the bench and and think that they could uh, Basham, as we said last weekend. You know, you said it on the pod that he was, he looked like he was the real deal. Mm. But being a real deal, you've got to be a real deal for twenty five caps or more. And I know that that sounds, you know, that's Pivac's job now. But I think he needs to stick to a more settled. Society. I mean, this, which leads you nicely, Jed, into well, you know, what do we do? next weekend it does and I, th- I think it's it's tricky I, it's perhaps a little a little bit less tricky than it is normally because normally at this point in the season we've had the Heineken Cup into the mix as well so I think it's probably been a bit easier to rotate players throughout the club um kind of throughout the club uh, season than than it has been in normal years um, Fiji, I'm not, you know, it's, I know I keep saying this, but this isn't a walkover game. It's not like we've got Romania or someone, or it's not like the Fiji of 10 years ago. There's still going to be players in there that, that are going to cause a lot of, a lot of problems. Um, so I think we've got to go with a strong side. Um, and yeah, I, I would just be looking at resting one or two. I'm, I think it's good that Liam got on the pitch. I'd, so I would have him, I'd have him back in the side. Um, I'd be looking to bring him in. Centers, I, I, I agree with Dan. I think Halaholo will come in. I think he has to. John Fox is one of the players I would definitely be looking to rest, but I don't know if we have another. Who would play thirteen in that scenario? I don't. I don't know. Really. Scott, you can't play Scott Williams at thirteen now, can you? Like, I love Scott Williams to death, but he's you know I think at this point in his career he's definitely a twelve, isn't he? So it's up to pick Tompkins uh, at thirteen then. I wouldn't be surprised. I think Fiji would be licking their lips with Tompkins at 13, you know, no. given how, how defence isn't his strong point and that's such a pivotal defensive position. Um, I, I'd pick I'd, I'd pick Scott Williams, I would. At 13? Mm. I mean, I would, yeah. as we said earlier, I'd, I'd pick Owen Watkin, but he's not, you know, it's not, a, yeah. it's not, if... it's not an option right now. Um, unless this, you know, this Josh Adams thing is a, is a realistic um a realistic proposition and he tries in there at you know as, as to start at 13 i don't i don't see it or he tries owen lane there which you know mm. it's been it's been noted that um that so many people have said that you know obviously having played at age grade rugby that could well be his best position at international level um and you know to be fair i don't think any of us i, I think we're all we're all in agreement now that North, if everyone's fit, is is the best option for Wales at thirteen. I don't think any of us were in, you know, were necessarily in that of that opinion when 
uh, when he's played there in the past. And, you know, you know, prior to, to this stretch, if you see what I mean, I think when mm. Gatlin picked in there, it never, you know, never really excited any of it or it never, it never seemed to really click. That's, so I don't know, maybe Pivak's got something up his sleeve here. There's nothing better, is it, than playing yourself into the team when you're injured because of the rest of the, because there's no other alternative. Yeah. I t- so, yeah, I, t- I don't know next week. It's, it's very, very tricky. I mean, I would go, I'd go, I'd bring, I'd, this would be my team anyway. I'd go Win Jones. Um, I'd pick Brendan Rogers or whatever his name is, the, um, the, the ginger Ulster, uh, it's Bradley, Bradley Roberts. Bradley. Bradley Roberts. Yeah. Um, I'd give him a go. I, I think fair play to Elias. You know, like I said, I, I wasn't blown away with how good the line out was, but for a hooker, all you can ask is that he hits his darts and he did that off the back of a really rough week the week before and he did a lot around the park as well. But I think... What a line-out was... throw as well from uh, from Bradley when he came on. His first throw was phenomenal, wasn't it? Back yeah. back of the line-out. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I again, so, so for that reason, I'd be looking to have a, you know, I, I think Elias deserves plus a good rest there. Plus the hair has to be applauded yes, as well. Yes, lovely and... haircut. And the, and from Sandisil as well, which is obviously Andrew Cotter absolutely murdered in his <laughs> pronunciation. My mother would be very very angry, seeing that she's from near there. So yeah, <laughs> Clan Dussel. It's like yeah, all right, thanks Andrew for your hard work there. Um, how, how, how hard can it be? Just just try a bit harder. There we are. And then yes. <laughs> Tight head, I think you've got a. I think you've got to stick with. I, I, I think you've got to stick with Thomas Francis. Really, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Go really strong front row. So you know that's an area that you're not expecting Fiji to be good. If we can get a bit of um, you know, get get some penalties there, that would be that'd be what I'd looking for. Particularly off the back of a really, you know, like we said, a, a horrible um, a horrible time at, at, at the scrummages this week. So I'm sorry, Yeston, you were going to say Yeah, that. no, you need Jim Telford, don't you? You just need that sort of right, it's you lot again. And yeah. you've, got to, you've got to up your game 100%. And... Nailing the scrummage machine to the floor. Yeah, exactly. So it wouldn't move even if, yeah, even what, if you had the best you, scrummage in forwards. Did you think Will Griff John had an impression when he did come on? Um, not massively. I, I, to be honest, I thought by then, again, when they bring their, after we've had such an awful time and then they bring their, their, uh, you know, the bomb squad or off the bench, it was going to be very, very difficult to then come on when you first cap and, and turn things around. Um, so not noticeably, I might have, uh, you know, that might be me just not having paid enough attention there. But um, I suppose if you were going to chuck him in to start, this would be the game next week. Dan, what are you doing front row? I think we need us our best scrummage in front row out against against Fiji I want to see I want to see us do all right there basically and then to give the you know to we've we've hit the centers fairly hard but I think also you know with the scrum being under so much pressure <clears throat> you know let's uh let's give the centers a break and see how they can you know see how they can perform with uh with some decent ball and um that should should happen against against Fiji, shouldn't it? As long as we don't, you know, go with a really loose and and, and mobile front row around the park. Um, yes. The other so- thing I would say here as well is we've got a six day turnaround till we play Australia. So the game next week is on Sunday, 
and then we've got Australia the following Saturday and that Australia game I'm not saying it's a must win game but particularly as they lost to Scotland today you've got to be targeting that as you know as one of the scouts that would do masses in terms of confidence if you get a win against Australia um so I, I think there's going to have to be a few changes um with a view to the to the following week there always is when you play forced test matches you've got to do a little bit of it despite what I said earlier um second row is one area that I'd be that I'd be very wary of that um I think you need both those guys fully fit for for Oz. So I'd be looking to maybe sub one of them out and possibly go Carter and Carter and Rollins. What you, what would you be looking at in the second row yesterday? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I, I think um, yeah, you 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 can you, Carter. It would be good for Carter to get some experience, and Adam Beard's worked his guts out so mm. far. It seems like a logical thing to and if one of those gets in trouble i mean it it's 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 again it's fairly thin isn't it it's slim pickings after that so um yeah i'd be i'd be i think will rollins has been good he's he's obviously yeah, got, he's got he's mm. got a bit of dog in him and he obviously does have he, he's got handling skills and as well obviously that wasn't evident yesterday but um yeah, he knows what he's doing. So he carries it, very, very hard, doesn't he? Which yeah. you know, is we're always going to need. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd stick with those two. Dan, second row? Um, I thought the second rows went really, really well, by the way, against uh, against South Africa. Just, you know, their pack and, and linked with Elias. I know that we went from we went from ball, but I think without Alan Wynn as well, we've got to give... Uh, a, a good bit of credit to Elias and um, and Adam Beard and uh, and Rollins as well um, for the way in which we, you know, we we had a line out. Yeah, yeah, it was limited, but we had one, didn't we? And yeah, and and then they carried. They got through so much work, Beard and 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 Rollins. I would actually rest Rollins. Would you? Yeah, and I go with uh, I'd go with Beard and, and Carter, um, and. Yeah, just just give Beard more time again in um, in that in that sort of line out, you know, line out calling and just I don't know. He seems just I don't know. Can he, you know, can he can he be a captain? Can he, you know, can he control that center of the pack there? Um, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him go again. Fair enough. Yeah. So for me, it's just he. I think he's the one who's. Uh, um... I'd be yeah, I'd be desperately keen to see um, have a bit of a rest. I think just, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it's it's so hard to say from the outside looking in, isn't it? Maybe he's raring to yeah, go and, and he just wants another game. One player I think does fit into that bracket is Ellis Jenkins, and I would have him with uh, I would have him in the back row and and skipper as well. Yeah, totally oh. agreed. He was he was he's demonstrated all the leadership, all the leadership tendencies we've seen from him before, and he was heir apparent before mm. his injury, wasn't he? Yeah, he was fantastic, wasn't he? Absolutely brilliant. Such a good rugby brain on him. And um, there's such a calmness about him, isn't there? When he goes into those into those positions, when he start, when he's looking for a turnover, you can you can see the cogs going and he, he he's on, he's in, and, and then he comes out with it and he's he's so he's so clever sort of off the ball as well. Top player. Really, really good performance for him. I know he's different to Warburton in terms of stature and you know maybe a couple of other different bits bits to his game as well. But 
from the leadership and the way he conducts himself around the breakdown, like, you know, you can tell that there is, well, I think there's, there's an influence from, um, you know, from, from having played and trained with Warburton and I, uh, yeah, I'm such a massive fan of him. I just think that he's got, you know, he is to go back to that point about world-class players. He's got everything there that you need to do it. You know, the only thing against him is his stature, I would say. And I don't think that's a problem. And I, I just think, yeah, for me, there is a of all the back row candidates and of which there are there are tons i think you have to make room for him because i think he's that important to the side yeah he's got a bit of the hooper about him i think mm. in terms of not not mm. not again not necessarily comparative athletic athleticism but definitely in terms of the that sense of leadership and mm. not just by example but but being making so few errors of judgment as well yeah, yeah, that's a good point on Hooper because he, Ellis Jenkins and Hooper, they, they don't have bad games, do they? No. They, they just, they don't play poorly. Um, and they've got big moments in them, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and with that in mind, I mean, I'm tempted to go same back row again, but it, then you kind of think, well, what's the point of having Tom Young in the in the squad if you're not gonna if you're not gonna pick him this would be the game for me maybe you know Basham has had a, a good two outings pretty blooming hard games to to cut mm-hmm. your teeth out internationally maybe I'd be looking to put Young in here with Wainwright what, but what would you be thinking Dan? Yeah I think Basham will have to have a rest I thought he went very well again but there's such there's such a big side aren't they they're so sort of attritional and he was he was in amongst it, wasn't he? Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned it. He gave away a couple of pens, but he was he was right up for it, wasn't he? Didn't he wasn't overpowered. Mm. So yeah, I think he he's, he's going to have to have a rest, I'd say. And um, yeah, I think we'll we'll probably see. I don't know. I wonder whether we might see um, Seb come into the back row as well. Actually, I I, I honestly think we will. Don't get it. No. I don't get it at all. I don't get, it. but I don't get what the options are, though. That's the problem. I, it's I, like yeah. we need another fifteen players in the squad. Well, there's the, there's know. no now that you know. I mean, it was baffling to have Toby in the squad because he's clearly not fit. Uh, you know, hasn't basically hadn't trained and then turned up with a way. You know, with the Wales squad with his boots on him. You know, that's that was a really baffling selection. If he's not fit, he's not fit. You know, you can't have him there. And then. Obviously, Wainwright has has come in and done the job, but there's no other eight cover in the squad, is there? Really? I mean, unless you can, Seb Davis has a a couple of caps there in, you know, games against Tonga and stuff like that. But realistically, there's no actual cover at eight now. Um, Shane Lewis is, is a big guy, could probably do it, but and actually, you know, we're not flush across all of the regions with options at eight, are we? But um, I don't know. It does. It, you could use having another eight in the squad for for a game like this. The fact that Wainwright came off, I thought was it was a little bit surprising as well. So I wonder whether that that's either working, whether he picked up a knock or whether it's to do with resting him. Yeah, it might be. It might be. I, I think you, yeah, I think given he's the only eight, you have to go there um, with him. Halfbacks, I'd be tempted to stick with the same again. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just, just get, keep them playing together. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I, I don't see anything in the others, and I, I but you got to start with authority and Thomas and bigger can control a game better mm-hmm. than the other players. End of story. 
Dan, any thoughts on the halfbacks? Yeah, I yeah, I really like the way they played, by the way. Uh, Thomas and, and Bigger, I thought Bigger was absolutely superb. You know, you see, you see his pelting down with rain as well, isn't it? And he was just brilliant. Um, yeah, he's going to be he's he's going to be missed um, bigger, isn't he? When he eventually goes, I, I um, don't I don't think we'll realise till we go just just how important he's no, been to Wales. I just yeah. I was thinking that yesterday. You know, like he just it's easy to think just watching him, isn't it? Because there's nothing flash. What's going on? But we will massively miss him. And you can start to feel it now, can't you, at 10? We, we're, we're, you know, he's so good, isn't he? He's still, he's, he's underrated, I think, still. Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah. I'm glad he got, you know, it, like we said, it was a, a largely forgettable Lions tour. But I'm glad he got Lions test caps. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he is uh, a player who is comfortably of that, um, of that stature. And he's not Barry John. He's not Phil Bennett. He's not Steve Jones. You know, he's... Um, He's a very, very different player, but I think the rugby intelligence, it just it, and the mentality, it, it wins mm. you games and it's won us numerous games over the years. Um, yeah, sure it does. If, I, Dan, if Dan Bigger was playing in, in, if this version of Dan Bigger was playing in the 2011 World Cup semi final, we'd have won it. Hands down. Yeah. No, I've no doubt about it. He'd have, he'd have slotted penalties, he'd have, you know, he'd have executed a drop goal. Out of, you know, he'd have, he'd have bossed, bossed the backs around out of sheer bloody mindedness and it would have got us there. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. yeah. I put um, yeah. I put CD on the bench maybe. I think we'll see a change at nine and ten. Actually, I do for the for the for the Fiji game. I think I we'll do you? I th- yeah, I think they'll. I think they went they went well, and I just think they'll haul they'll haul them off, and have um, probably Gareth and Gareth actually. Gareth and Gareth. Um, yeah, I just have, I just have a feeling, and it's going to have to be more change. I mean, well, bigger, bigger, be... bigger's only played one game, which is why I think they'll stick with him because he's our best ten. Um, yeah, I think, I think you have to. And then Thomas Williams, although he's, uh, although he started in both those games, I, I think that was probably his best performance for Wales. Um, you know, certainly there was some, it was perhaps the things you don't necessarily expect from him as well. It was the, the box kicking and game management stuff. So I think, I think you have to go same again, just for we're saying at the start of the show, you know, let's establish one of those partnerships now back Thomas Williams throughout the whole of this autumn campaign and get to a decision as to whether he's online or not. Um, the I think it'd be to sensible too, wouldn't it? With, with, think, especially yeah. with him and bigger, you know, cause they, they, those two have not played much together, have they? No. Nine and ten, they haven't. No, they haven't. So it does make it does make perfect sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think we could see we. I think we could see a change, but um, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I I'd definitely be sticking the same there. And then yeah, centres like we said, bloody hell, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I, I mean, if like yeah, go on. Yes. Can you go? Can you go? Williams, Williams, twelve, Halahola thirteen. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, I, for me, it seems like the I, the best, the, the two, Williams, is, Williams needs games. Williams is obviously solid defensively. You'd hope that he was the real deal, but you're not going to find out by, you know, unless you give him some game time. Uh, but I, I just, 
but that also the fact is that there's no sense of you know Ben Thomas and Nick Tompkins. So yeah. you know, not not knocking uh, Ben Thomas is a lovely footballer, but you know, you're playing against yeah, it's no time. We've that... we've barely we've ba- he's barely played much game this this season as well. I I found that selection very strange. But again, you're right, Dan. I I could um I could see changes across the whole of the back line. You could you might well end up with Ben Thomas playing um in the centre because otherwise you you have to beg the question. Well, what was he doing in the squad anyway, other than sitting on the bench against against New Zealand? Um, yeah, look, I think yeah. Halaholo has to come in for me. Um. I would go, yeah. I'd be happy with Scott Williams at 12 and Halaholo at 13. You you reckon the other way around, Dan? I, I do think we'll see it. The, we'll probably see it the other way around, mm. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't quite know what we're going to... Yeah, it'd be interesting. Imagine that centre partnership goes wonderfully well what then happens anyway we can't probably go there but uh, yeah I think I, I have a feeling it will be Halaholo classic killick optimism going there on is, there isn't it? right there yeah like they put <laughs> they put 80 points on Fiji Scott Scott Williams gets a hat trick yeah we should never have doubted him his legs are still there and it's then it's the it's Pivak's dilemma yeah, so too many choices in the centre. All, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of them world class. Oh, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> love him, haven't you, Chad? I know, I know. That's, I think that's what's got us through these last five years. <laughs> I think it's yeah, that huge, huge doses of killer optimism is, um, has has kept this podcast going throughout that period of time. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I think we're I think we're fairly settled on that. And then back three, go on, Dan. You you pick this. I've I've been coming to you last on all of these. Who's, oh, who's, back, who's back three. Liam at 15? I would, yeah. Yeah. McNichol's been great, though. Really enjoyed seeing him. I think, he I has think, he's, a, I think he's done well. He's got errors in there, hasn't he? But uh, you know, Liam has as well. Um, I th- we're we're going to have to give Josh a rest, aren't we? I would have thought. Yeah. So, Zamit. Zamit on the wing. Yeah, Zamit plays, I think. Yeah, he needs more then, time. And then, yeah, it's either McNichol, Josh I, Adams, I, Owen Lane. I'd probably go Lane, yeah, and just give McNichol a rest. And, yeah, then we're giving Adams a, a rest as well, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go Owen Lane. Yes, then, any thoughts? I'm going Liam, McNichol and Zamet. Um, Who, who's wearing 15 out of that? It's quite exciting. Liam, Liam's playing. Liam and 15. Yeah, just because I think that the McNichol can add in that classic back three way, you know, sort of cover at fifteen if Liam goes walkabout, and I mm. think he's, I think I'm not trying to say he's expendable for the, but there's going to be some injuries after playing Fiji, isn't there? <laughs> they usually are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if uh, if usual uh, rugby tropes are to be uh, to be believed, you'd imagine yeah. so. Um, which just leaves then the one other thing I wanted to touch on was Alan Wynne Jones likely to be out for Six Nations. We need to find a, a captain here. Um, obviously, John Fox has done it uh, over the weekend. 
like we say, it doesn't necessarily feel like he's a, a shoe in at the well, I, I think he probably is under under Pivak at the moment, but where would you guys be looking as a, as a captain for the Six Nations and possibly beyond, dare I say it? I quite like Dan's suggestion that, that Adam Beard has some qualities in him, but I don't know. I've never heard him as a communicator, but um, certainly as a... Seems to there, have... are some, there are some sound bites on older podcasts of, uh, of Adam Beard uh, doing a promo for So Coffee Trades on this podcast. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 that's true. But I would yeah. say I would say Alice Jenkins is the is the natural heir, as I've said before. I never quite understand why Big has never been skipper. I don't mm. I don't mm. see I don't see any other real candidates, if I'm honest. Well, I suppose Tips is likely to be back by um by the Six Nations, you'd say. So obviously he's done it, you know, done it for the Ospreys a huge, huge amount of times. In fact, is he is he Club captain at the Ospreys now? I'm not sure. I can't remember now. But I mean, he's, you know, obviously he's done it a huge amount of times there. Got bags of experience. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would think when it, when everyone's fit as well, I think he comes back into that side because he's, he's a line-out option as well, isn't he? As well as being class. But um, I don't know. For me, for me, it's it's Ellis or... I don't think it will be bigger, but I would be more than happy to see bigger... Um, take the captaincy for all those reasons we've mentioned, even though it's there's enough going on at fly half. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think Ellis is um is that kind of player that you you make room for. You know, you have him in your side as captain, a bit like South Africa did for Khaleesi during the World Cup. Yeah, which is big, which is a big statement to make. And I'm not saying he's as good a player, but it's that kind of thing for me. I think we need someone of that um of that level-headedness to um, to kind of galvanise the squad. So Ellis gets my vote. Solid shout. He is definitely uh, he's definitely a captain, isn't he, all day long? Yeah, I know he's captain. He's the type of guy as well. You could see him like not playing, you know, just just coming in and just being just just being the captain straight away. And I don't think anybody would would say like, uh, "Hang on, what's going on here?" It'd just be, "Yep, Ellis, yeah, captain." He just he's got captain written all over him, isn't he? Yeah, isn't he? Captained um he captains that Wales under 20 size, I think, the one that made the final. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, um, he yeah, he's he is a captain, isn't he? The like yeah. some people are, some people aren't. Like yeah. Adam Beard, I lo- it, it would be a nice story. I just think that you've got, you know, big as big as a captain, isn't he? Uh, you know, Ellis Jenkins is a, is a captain. Um, you know, Tipperick is, is is in his own in his own way. I just wonder whether. We're going to miss someone. We're going to miss Alan in, in such a big way mm. that maybe you know, sort of giving some some real feed to to Adam Beard and could be like a really clever move, maybe because there's going to be other captains in the team, and it does look as if Beard's going to be the mainstay, isn't he? It's it, the second row is going to be built a rat like around him. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know but, enough about Beard really to to say whether he's you know. Um, whether he's got that, I mean, I suppose the real thing in his favour is he's guaranteed his place. Yeah, you know, he is. He is starting. Like even you know, um, even if Alan Jones, Alan Jones were fit, he would be in the side alongside him. So I suppose that's the thing in his favour. Whereas obviously, people like Ellis Jenkins and Justin Tipperick, there's, there's so much strength in the back row that you you know you're perhaps not guaranteed. But um, yeah, almost know. like a tactical cap, like a tactical captain shout to sort of. 
bring him on more, if that makes sense. I don't think he's going to be well. Oh, I think I, I think it's a, I, yeah, see. I think it's a big ask with where we are right now. Do you know what I mean? I think you need someone who's who's like you like you were saying there is a an out and out leader and an out and out captain. So for me, it's yeah, it's yeah. an Ellis or a Tipperick style player. So Nick, Nick Tompkins, it is then, yeah. <laughs> Settled. Stranger things have happened. There we go. <laughs> There we go. Right, that pretty much brings us to a conclusion for this week. A uh, big thank you to Yestin and Dan for joining me. Uh, thank you to everyone uh, for listening. And as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some great quality coffee, then be sure to head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk uh, to do that. And you can get it sent straight to your door. No need to, no need to, to mess about. Um, right, that's it for this week. We'll be back to chat rugby with you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.